Amen. Got a lot of ground to cover, so we're just going to jump right in. Um, During worship, uh, I felt really strongly uh, from the Lord, uh, and one of the things that he said was, uh, this is my living room. And he said, I really, really like to hang out in my living room. And you guys have cultivated something here that the Lord just really, really likes to be in your midst. And there is a level of um, comfort, comfortability that's in this place. Um, you know, I think even the, the level of ease that, like, you just walk in here and it just feels easy. And I believe that it has to be, uh, even in the way that you honor one another, the Bible says in Psalms that, um, that when brothers and sisters dwell in unity, that, that, that the Lord, it's like oil coming down off the beard of Aaron. And I just believe that the way that you honor the Lord and the way that you honor each other, that you've really created an environment that, that the Lord is like, man, this is like my living room. I really, really like to hang out here. And so just keep, keep doing that because we need houses of worship that are so focused on just creating an environment where the Lord is pleased to show up um, and dwell. So I'm so excited to be here with you this morning. This is such an incredible um, honor to me. Um, I honor this house. I honor um, Pastor Carlos and Becca and Laura and Sandra and the whole team here. I just, I have such uh, a love for this house, Um, the way that you guys pray and support uh, the Pregnancy Center. Um, we we love you. You are our partners. That isn't just a ministry that you support. The The Pregnancy Center is your friend. Um, and so I just bring welcome from the center. God is doing incredible, incredible things at the center. And it's because you guys show up and you pray and you give and you support. And, and God's doing incredible things through your partnership. And so I just want to say thank you so much for the way that you love um, our Pregnancy Center. And uh, I, I was really confident that I was going to come and I was going to share with you from the book of Ephesians. I have been camped out in Ephesians 1, 2, and 3. <clears throat> and if you need a shot in the arm in your faith or you're struggling with your identity, you need to go home and you need to spend the next three years of your life in Ephesians 1, 2, and 3. I am convinced that there is no greater place for you to become confident in your identity then Ephesians 1, 2, and 3. I am loving that I've been camped out in Ephesians 1, 1 through 5 for the last month. The Lord has so apprehended me in the book of Ephesians, and I was so excited to come and to talk to you about the book of Ephesians, but I'm not going to talk about the book of Ephesians today. <laughs> I, uh, on Monday... I was uh, pulling into an appointment, and I wasn't thinking about you guys. I wasn't praying about anything. I was literally running late to an appointment, and I pulled in the parking lot, and I heard the Lord say, when you go to the rock, talk to them about what to do in the unresolved. And I was like, well, I'm not quite sure (laughs) what that means, and I'm really not quite sure what to do in the unresolved. So um, I'm going to need you to help. Um, and, and I literally, I, I was saying that to the Lord, like, ah, like, I'm not quite sure what that means. And so I need, I need you to help. And I'm talking about everything I'm about to share with you was downloaded into my spirit in about three seconds. And so I absolutely believe that what God wants to say um, today is for you. 
I mean, it's for you, but it's also like for you. It's for you. It's for you individually. It's for your neighbor, but it's also equally for you. And so what I want you to do is I want you to close your eyes really quick. I can see you. So if your eyes aren't closed, (laughs) I know. (laughs) Just humor me. Close your eyes really, really quick. And I want you to think about one thing in your life right now that is unresolved. There's probably like a hundred things that are coming to your mind (laughs) Um, because we live in the unresolved. Like until Jesus comes back and actually finishes what he started, like we will forever be living in the unresolved until Jesus comes back. But I want you to think of one thing, one thing in your life right now that is unresolved, that is chaotic, that doesn't make sense, that you've been contending for, and it just, you are in the middle of it and it is unresolved. So now that you have that, you can go ahead and open your eyes. Um, And this is, this is what um, I heard the Lord say. He said, this is what you do in the unresolved. You build a foundation of truth. You build walls of worship. You build a a roof of refuge. You open the door of fellowship. You hang out in the hall of hope and you find a room of rest. And I know that was really quick. We're going to go through. What if I just sat down and was like, that's it. (laughs) That's all you get. (laughs) You guys would probably be happy to have a couple, well, 40 extra minutes of your, I almost said couple hours, and you guys would have gotten really uncomfortable. So here's the deal. The first thing that the Lord said, that in whatever you're thinking of in in your head right now, that one unresolved thing that you're going through, God said, The first thing you have to do is build a foundation of truth. We have to be in the word of God. I've seen in my own life and in people around me's life that when we hit that place called the wilderness, when we hit that place called the unresolved, when we hit the place called this doesn't make an ounce of sense, we finally find what we're standing on. And I have found in my life, whoo, I will get to that place and I will quickly find out the foundation that I am standing on. And if we are going to be victorious in the unresolved, we have got to have a firm foundation. And that firm foundation is the word of God. And here's the reality. Like, we don't have to deny the reality of our circumstance, there is nothing that drives me more bonkers when people, I'm, I'm going to step on a few toes and I love y'all, but there is nothing that drives me more bonkers when people are like, oh, I'm not sick. I might be fighting sickness, but I'm not sick. Or I'm like, I mean, you're sick. <laughs> like you have a cough or, or you're going through this thing. Like we, we tiptoe into this like weird place sometimes where it's almost like a defense mechanism. Like we say that it's Jesus, but it's actually a defense mechanism because we don't want to deal with the present reality of our situation. And so it's okay that, look, I, I, am, I am contending my unresolved thing is I don't, I don't have anything behind my left ear. <laughs> Nothing. I, I had a tumor and it destroyed everything behind my left ear. And that's the, like that, that's the reality of my current situation is that I had a tumor, they took it out and it destroyed everything behind my left ear. And I don't have hearing and it does lots of weird things and it hurts and that it's okay for me to admit that that's the reality, the, the current present reality um, of my situation. But 
that doesn't diminish the truth of God's word. See, we live in this very complex, not complicated, but complex reality that we are in human bodies that are frail and weak. We live in a fallen world with fallen people. And, and we have to be able to say like, yeah, I, I live at a pain six, like a lot of the time. Like that's just the reality of the situation that I'm in right now. But that doesn't diminish that God is absolutely the healer. I believe without a shadow of a doubt that God is the healer. There's nothing in my present circumstance of the fallen world that I live in that, that diminishes that God not only does heal, but he wants to heal. That's the reality. And we've got to learn how to be honest about our current situation, but also be firm on the foundation of who God says that he is. And we can only do that if we're feeding ourselves with his word. Here's the deal. I believe that the two biggest things that we will contend the most for in seasons of unresolved things are our joy and our peace. You know, we spend a lot of time, like, look, I am coming from someone who has been walking this journey of, of contending for healing for the last four and a half years of my life. It'll be five next, well, it's been more than four and a half, it'll be five next month. And I can tell you that I have contended more for peace and joy and hope than I have for healing. The reality is, is that the healing isn't up to me. I don't have control over that. Sometimes I wish I did. I don't. But what I do have control over is cultivating peace and joy and hope in my life. And so I believe sometimes we get really distracted with, with contending for the resolution, which I believe that we should. We should be contending for, for resolution but we also don't have to allow the enemy to steal any more from us in those processes. And sometimes we get so focused on, oh, God, would you come and heal, 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 come and heal. And, and, and all the while we're miserable and we're hopeless and we don't have any peace and we don't have any joy. And it's like we've given the, the, the devil a mile in our lives. Because he's going to take every single inch that we give him. And here's the deal. Anybody can have manufactured hope and joy and peace on the mountaintop. That, that's, that is easy. It is easy for us to have this thing or these things called joy and hope and peace when everything is going okay. Like everybody can do that. But it's for the ones who actually know their God and are walking with him faithfully that can have joy and hope and peace in the middle of the wilderness, in the, in the, in the valley of the shadow of death. And I believe that we're being catapulted into a season where there's going to be a very clear distinction between those that know how to contend for joy and hope and peace in the midst of the wilderness and those that don't. And if we look like the world in the midst of our suffering, then where is the testimony of Jesus? 
The Bible says that we should be ready at every moment to give an account for the hope that we possess. Ain't nobody going to ask you about the hope that you possess when everything is going good. Have you ever had anyone come to you and say, oh, brother, everything is going so well for you. Will you tell me why you're so happy? No. (laughs) Because everybody knows how to do that. The people will come to you when you are walking through the valley and you are not shaken. That's when you get to give an account for the hope that you possess. We have to be people who will contend for those things. Psalm 94, 18 and 19, out of the um, Passion Translation says, I cried out, I am slipping, but your unfailing love, O God, it supported me. When doubts filled my mind, your comfort gave me a renewed hope and joy. My friends, we don't have to wait until the fulfillment, the, 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 the resolving, the resolution, whatever that thing is that you have in your mind right now, where the enemy has come in and lied to you and says, if only this thing would be figured out, then I would have joy, then I would have peace, then I would have hope. God says, no, I'll give you hope now. It is that anointing that when you are in the fire and you say, oh, God, would you come? Would you deliver me? But if you don't, but if you don't, you are still good. That is a light that cannot be hidden. But here's the reality. These things called hope and joy and peace They are fruit that grows on a tree. And I don't know about you guys, but I have yet to plant a tree. And the very next day, it start producing fruit. I I haven't seen that kind of tree yet. I thought maybe there would be a money tree, but I haven't found that yet. Here's the deal. Like, these things are fruit, and they have to be cultivated. And if we don't learn how to cultivate peace in every day of our lives, when when that unresolved season, when that wilderness season comes, brothers and sisters, we're going to be reaching everywhere we can find peace. But if we have the tree of peace rooted and planted in our lives, if it is well-watered and well-tended, and he's fine. I'm okay. I mean, unless he's going to break something, but I don't. (laughs) Unless it is cultivated, intended, we find out really easy how, how well or unwell those trees are in the seasons of the unresolved. And so how, my friends, is your orchard? How is your orchard? (laughs) That's awesome. The orchard of our life is cultivated through simple obedience. It's cultivated in the day by day. And so what is your foundation in your unresolved situation, situations, How is your foundation and how is your orchard? Second, so the first 
is to have a foundation of truth. The second is that we would be people who build walls of worship and are unresolved. Here's the reality. Sometimes you have to sing your way into the truth. Mike Bickle and Misty Edwards from the House of Prayer in Kansas City were on a panel one day, and they were, they were um, sharing and joking. And Mike said, I can get up, and I can teach on the book of Sol- uh, Song of Solomon, or I could teach on the book of Revelation. And then Misty Edwards will get up, and she will start singing the same exact thing that I preached, and everybody will be on the floor. And Mike said, there's just something about worship. There's something about worship that bypasses our human understanding and it touches us in the the core of who we are. And I love that worship spans beyond what we just participated in. But the reality is, is that what we just participated in is a weapon in the unresolved. Since we have received our right to an unshakable kingdom, we should be extremely thankful and offer God in the purest form of worship that delights his heart as we lay down our lives in absolute surrender, filled with awe. Hebrews 12, 28. The reality is, is that, that the, the unresolved actually begins to show us in our lives what is shakable and what is not shakable. And he shows us in these seasons, in these situations, that we actually have an unshakable foundation. It's an unshakable kingdom that he gives it. It works on the valley, it works on the valley, and it works on the mountaintops. It's unshakable. And since we know that we have an unshakable kingdom, an unshakable foundation, our response should be the purest form of thanksgiving and worship to our God. And I don't know about you guys, but sometimes I just have to get on my face and I have to ask God, what is the song that you have for me in this season that I can use as a sword? Do you know 24 hours before I was rushed into emergency surgery, they said you were in 30 minutes of losing your life, 30 minutes and you would be dead. 24 hours prior, I was on a worship team. I was in excruciating pain. And my husband and I were on a worship team. We were in Columbus, Ohio. And God, during the middle of this worship, he he reminded me of this this verse from a J. Thomas song. And it says, "Um, I believe that you move at the sound of my voice. And I believe that you move at the sound of my voice, so shall I be saved from my enemies. Do you know what I went into my season of unresolved saying? I believe that you move when I cry out to you, and I believe that I will be saved from my enemy. And so it's not just about singing the nice songs that come up on your radio station or your phone. It's about getting on your face and going, God, what is the song of victory for me for this season? Worship is turning our gaze away from us and on to the king. That's the beauty of this, is that as we worship him, it takes our eyes off of the unresolved and onto the one who resolves all things. 
We minimize ourselves and we lift him up and we exalt him. In the Old Testament, the priest would go in to offer worship to God. And what that worship was, it was an incense. And it filled the temple. And what does the New Testament say that we are? We are the temple. And so as we worship, the incense fills the temple. That's why when we come out of times like we just had, it's like we have a whole new perspective because the incense has filled the temple. And it's not that the actual situation has changed. Nothing has changed. I still can't hear out of my left ear, and I'm still at a pain six, but something has changed. There is incense that has filled my temple. There is grace and joy and peace. And lastly, church, is he not worthy? It is easy to worship him on the mountaintop. But is he not worthy to be worshipped in the valley? Is he not worthy to receive a sacrifice of praise? Psalm 30 says, if I go down to Sheol, if I find myself in hell, I learn there that the dust praises you. And in the 30th year of my life, as my world got turned upside down, I found that in a hellish situation, that he was worthy of worship. That even in the, the, the shadow of death over my life, that he was worthy of worship. And here's the, the good news, friends. There was a grace in that season. I actually was just talking to somebody about that, that like six months where, I mean, we were looking at financial ruin. We, we had this like window, this three-week window where we were waiting for our insurance to go through. And would you believe I ended up in the hospital in another state <laughs> with $60,000 worth of debt because I didn't have any insurance. You know how much of that I paid? Zero. The Lord forgave everything. They said, you were in a Michigan hospital. So no Ohio programs work for you, and you're an Ohio resident, and so none of our Michigan programs, and, and I mean, we were sitting with, with lawyers and financial counselors, and they were like, you're going to have to file for bankruptcy. I mean, we were facing, I didn't, I didn't know, we didn't know if it was going to affect my vision. We didn't know if I was going to be um, paralyzed on my face. I mean, in a season where it felt like everything was unresolved, there was a grace. And I was just telling someone that was one of the sweetest seasons of my life. And I, this is, I actually said this, and I, as soon as I said it, I was like, I don't know if I meant that. But I, I did mean it, that I actually missed that season. I missed those couple of months because it, there was a, an anointing that I could just enter in to the Holy of Holies and throw myself on Daddy's lap and just be with him. We got to be people who will build walls of worship 
The third thing he said is that we would be people who would build a roof of refuge. Psalm 62, 5 through 8 says, Let all that I am wait quietly before God, for my hope is in him. He alone is my rock and my salvation, my fortress. Well, I will not be shaken. My victory and honor comes from God alone. He is my refuge, a rock where no enemy can reach me. Oh, people, trust in him at all times and pour your heart out to him. For God is our refuge. Selah. I have found that in the the seasons of the unresolved, that it is a snare of the enemy that we would seek refuge in anything other than Christ. And I believe that, that there are lots of unresolved things right now across the body of Christ globally because he's actually using it to prepare his bride to say, I will be found in nothing except for Jesus. That Jesus alone, why is it that you, that you see people who run um, after, uh, they run after other men and women and they leave their husbands and their wives, they, they fall into pornography, they fall into addiction, they begin drinking. There, there's this thing that in the unresolved, we have to go, Jesus, you alone are my refuge. And there are days where I have to, like day by day, I have to go, God, search me and know me, see if there is anything in me that I am putting up as my refuge because there is no thing that will cover us like our God. There is no thing that will hide us like our God. There is no situation that we cannot seek shelter and refuge in. And if we do not find ourselves in this place, we will not make it. There is a lie of the enemy over the people that we can have one foot under the refuge of God and one foot under the refuge in man and think that there is a way that we are going to survive. Friends, that is a lie from the pit of hell. If we want to be covered, we have to be fully under the shadow of the Almighty. And here's the deal you may feel like you're in darkness right now you may feel like you are in utter darkness right now but Corey ten boom said that under the shadow of the almighty is the darkest place to be and so you need to shift your perspective it's not dark because the enemy is surrounding you it is dark because you are hidden under the shadow of his wing And sometimes that is the darkest place that there is. Next, he said, we have to open the door of fellowship. Genesis 2.18 says that it's not good for man to be alone. You have been born into a family. You are not an only child. 
Let me say that again. You have been born into a family and you are not an only child. And we have to be people who are willing to let other people in. But there's a difference between letting people in and seeing people as the salvation to your problem. There's a huge difference. And Job's friends, they got it twisted. They came in through the door of fellowship as the salvation when really they just needed to sit down and shut up. Sometimes we just need people to sit down and shut up. That's what I wanted the most. And the people who I valued the most in that season were the people who came into my hospital room and they didn't say anything. The people who brought meals and they didn't say anything. It was the people who opened up their mouth 99% of the time that brought in fear and confusion and doubt. Because they said things like, well, you just have to trust God enough. You just have to have enough faith. Sister, your faith isn't there yet. Are there any unrepented sin in your life? Like God somehow gave me a tumor because I missed the mark. We have to bear one another's burdens so that we can fulfill the law of Christ. And you know what the picture of bearing someone's burden was? It's the man who picked up and carried the cross for Jesus. He didn't take Jesus's place. He didn't solve Jesus's problem. He didn't say, Jesus, let me find you an exit route so we can sneak away. I'll pretend to be you. Like we've got to learn what bearing each other's burdens and allowing people to come in and bear our burdens actually looks like. It looks like walking along someone. And if they get tired, then I'm going to pick it up. But sometimes it means I'm just walking with you. I sent a friend a text this morning and all it said was, I'm just checking in. I just want to know how your heart's doing. Sometimes it's just checking in and and going deeper under the, the, the scene into, I just want to know how your heart is doing. We got to find a hall of hope. What's a hall? A hall is a place that's in between two rooms. And I don't hang out in the hall. I don't hang out in the hallway at home. The only time I'm using the hallway is to go from one room to the next room. But what happens when we get stuck in the hall? We start complaining. That's what happens. But what I hear the Lord saying is that in the unresolved, that's the hallway. The unresolved is the hallway. No one is setting up home in the hallway. But we go through these hallway seasons where we get to that door and we just start knocking and we're like, for the love of God, open. And I'm like persistent, widowing the door. Like if you do not open, I'm going to start using my whole body. (laughs) I do not want to be here anymore. (laughs) And then I try back and I I run to the other door like, oh, let me go back into that season really quick. And that door is locked. And I find myself in this hallway, and I'm like, why am I here? I don't want to be here. And I believe that if we can be people of hope in the hallway, if we can learn how to cultivate hope in this piece, and you know what I found in the hallway, and I've had to learn this the hard way, is that usually he's trying to give me what I need so that when I walk into that room, I am ready. 
that I have everything that I need. So many of the times, it is what he teaches me in the unresolved and in the hallway. I walk into that room and I'm like, oh my God, thank you. Thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you for the hallway. Thank you for what you taught me in that place. Thank you, how, thank you so much for teaching me how to contend for finances. Do you know that my husband and I came out of a season where we didn't even just get a cancellation. We actually got a multiplication. God literally just started. I had a prophetic word even last week. And this person, he's all the way from England and he said, you are walking in an anointing where people are literally just going to throw money at your feet personally and in ministry. And I have seen that in my life. But you know what I learned? I learned how to trust God, that he is the God that gives and takes away, that he is the provider, that I am a steward. And if I would have walked into this season before going through that hallway, I would have destroyed myself. My character was not ready And so we've got to learn to be people of hope in the hallway that we're not being punished. Romans 15, 13 says, may the God of hope fill you with all peace and all joy as you trust in him so that you may overflow with hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. Lastly, he said, find a room to rest. A few months ago, I was a part of a worship team and God just began to move and he brought this revelation that the mightiest weapon of our warfare is rest. We get so busy like, put me in God, put me in. I'm gonna, I'm gonna jab him, I'm gonna get him, I'm gonna fight, I'm gonna contend, I'm gonna war. And he's like, just rest, just rest. Exodus 33, 14 says that his presence will go with us and that he will give us rest. Hebrews 4, 11 says that we should make every effort to enter into rest. If you want to contend for something in this season, contend for rest. Proverbs 23 says that it is honorable that a man would cease striving. Psalm 4610 says that we should cease striving, knowing that he is our God, that he will be exalted among the nations, that we are able to rest. Here's the reality about overcoming. We like to put a a pretty little package and a bow on the resolved for people. And I believe that we should contend for healing. I believe that we should contend for breakthrough. I believe that we should believe God for those rooms that he wants to take us into. But he doesn't want us to lie in ruin in the in-between. In Revelations 2.7, it says, to the one who overcomes. Do you know what that word overcome means? For Christians, it means that we would hold fast to our faith even on to death against the power of our enemy, temptation, and persecution. And I want the resolved for you. But do you know what I want more than the unresolved for you? I want you to be an overcomer. That even unto death, that even through trial and tribulation, Because if you read the end of the book, it's going to get a lot worse before it gets a lot better. 
There's going to be a lot of unresolved. There's going to be a lot of confusion and heartache. But in the midst of that, we can be overcomers now. In your unresolved, you can be an overcomer now. You don't have to get the answer. You can overcome now. So where are you? Take an inventory. How's your foundation? What do the walls look like? Do you have a leaky roof? Have you locked the door to fellowship? How's your hope? And how's your rest? Take an inventory because you are a temple. And in this season, there's not one thing that has to go unresolved. Close your eyes. I want to pray for you. God, I thank you that you have made us to be more than overcomers. And we don't overcome by getting the answer every time. But we overcome by holding fast to our faith. And so, God, I just speak the overcoming power of Jesus into my brothers and sisters right now. Right now. God, I pray that you would give them a foundation of truth. God, that you would teach them how to build walls of worship. God, that they will have four to five, fortified roof of refuge. I just declare over their hearts right now that you are their refuge. You are the rock's refuge. God, I pray for a grace to swing wide the door of fellowship. Jesus, I pray that every heart that has a locked door to fellowship because they've been hurt, that you would reign on them right now. And I just see Jesus handing people keys right now. And you're saying, I, I cannot open that door. I have opened that door and I have been hurt. And I see Jesus handing you a key. And he says, it's your decision, but do you want to stay alone forever? And that key has grace on it to unlock the door of fellowship again. God, we just release hope. Hope. Hope right now over every situation. By the authority of Jesus Christ, I crush hopelessness right now. We break every ounce of hopelessness off right now in Jesus' name. We say that you are the God of hope. And so we release hope. Make us a people of hope, oh God. And God, lastly, would you just rain down rest? God, right now. During worship, as I was just sitting there, I felt my shoulders start to get heavy. And I said, God, what is that? 
What are you doing? And he said, I'm giving you the yoke of rest. And so brothers and sisters, by faith, Jesus, we ask that you would just put the yoke of rest on shoulders right now. I believe that some of you are even beginning to feel that yoke hit your shoulders where things have been hard. I just declare in Jesus' name that they're going to become easy in rest. We thank you that your burden is easy, God, and your yoke is light. Yeah, just hang on with Jesus for just a couple of minutes. Talk to him about that one thing that stood out to you. That one thing that you're like, man, I, I realize that I haven't, I haven't done that thing. And ask him. Have a conversation with him.